I'm Aaron Goldschmidt. I'm Francesco Sedita. And we're Queens of the Roundtable. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> I'm really trying. Francesco's <laughs> really trying to find a new, like, hi, everybody. I like welcome back, everyone. You know, I realized in a meeting. Except most I, people are not coming back. When, when <laughs> I, let's be honest. When I'm at work and I, like, run a meeting, I start with, like, hi, everyone. Oh, so that's geez. totally where that comes from. Uh-huh. And it's just annoying in all places. I, I'm just going to let you in on a secret right now. People in those meetings are They're not even that. listening. No, well, yes, that's probably true. But the hi, everyone is annoying them as much as it's annoying me and our fans. But what are you supposed to do? Yo, just, welcome back. Y'all, who says yeah? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, you can't start every podcast with what, what? Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. No, it's so nice. I guess you know. Um, it's like a little sort of like Christian prayer room. <laughs> like it feels. It's just like a little. Too... I know how many Christian prayer rooms you've been in. So well, that, that makes you sense. know. I watch a lot of documentaries. Um, you know, I am. Um, I mentioned this is episode two of season two. Welcome to two, y'all. And I mentioned yesterday uh, yep, that I got my yep, tattoo done. Yep, yep. That I got my tattoo redone. Yeah. And yes. um, back to you and your tattoo. He did mm. like the like broy hug thing where you're like snapping fingers and oh, yeah. patting backs. And I, yeah. I just and I he like did it, it like three times. I but like it. I don't. Know, I don't know how to do it. No, it's okay. They can teach you. You know, where like can, your fists are interlocked yeah, and then something happens. And, uh, and then it's like a hug that's not a hug. It's just like a fist on the back. Yeah. You know, like a come in and a yeah. pound. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, like I think it. it's kind of hot. I mean, um, I don't know how to do it. Speaking of hot, yesterday, I mean, I guess we can just reveal, like, we recorded yesterday in less than 24 hours. Here, Here we, we are. are. And I do want to say that yesterday we were talking mostly about Madonna. And you are wearing a Madonna onesie today. What I just what what is it you're wearing? Just I'm wearing my Vogue costume. Your Vogue costume. And what is a Vogue my, costume? My Vogue costume for the night. Mm-hmm. I'm quoting Truth or Dare. No, I'm yeah. wearing I'm wearing a concert tee from Madame X. It happens to be long sleeve, uh-huh. and I'm wearing a soft pant with it that happens to match. Okay, um, fans. It's listeners, like a I don't know if it's, a, if it's a, a a pant. It's more of a tight, <laughs> like a stretch pant tight. It um, is not. It, but it is not. It is certainly not like a soft pant. You can't let people think you're wearing like a, just a soft brushed chino. No, 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 like no. It's, no. A, it's sort of it's like a, a lounge, it's lounge wear. Yeah, it's athleisure. It's at leisure. It's little like house pants. It's at lounger. I basically have strong feeling is that those outfits should stay in the confines of one's own home. I walked two blocks. You did. You did. To come to your home. I, I thought I was in the I clear. think that when this podcast blows up and we have paparazzi outside, you're going to have to think a little bit more about your Luke. Or maybe I'll start were... a whole line of men's leggings. Mm-hmm. He's in his Vogue costume for the night. What's, um, what was um, Sheree's line of stuff from Housewives? She by Sheree. <laughs> Right? Yes. Wasn't she getting into joggers? That was a big oh, thing. Oh, she was really into her joggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She by Shrey. What happened to that stuff? I bet if we ask Danielle and Casey, they know exactly where you can still find She by Shrey. Yeah, I'm Shrey. sure they have some pieces in there. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Um, um, I have to just say, these frozen grapes are mm, miraculous. They are. I just, I, I'm not going to eat it into the into No, the don't. I won't. Don't. It's, it's so disgusting. gross. But I will say that a frozen grape is the secret to success. Mm. It really is. When it, yeah. no, really? But you have to eat it? 
That's disgusting. I'm not near the mic. <laughs> so am I supposed to just like yeah. fill in the time as you eat a frozen grape? Yeah. Oh. Um, what did you do last I'm night? I'm going to tell you. I was. That's what I was going to oh tell you. Oh, my God. We're so instinct today. I'm going to finish this delicious frozen grape. Go on. Um, last night, I was supposed to actually be on a house music barge, kind of yacht cruise. That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I was supposed to do that with Stephen and our friend Anne Marie, my cousin Stephen and my friend Anne Marie. I would have been upset if I like did not get the invite to a house barge. Well, we bought these tickets months ago, and then last it week sank? I got oh. an email from like because it was like Eventbrite or whatever, and I got an email it's like from the Eventbrite, Fire Festival, and it was like, um, so so we don't replicate the past debacles of the house music barge party. We decided to cancel this one until further notice. Oh but like, what God. past? What 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 is this past that this barge party has? Well. You take a bunch of house freaks and put them out on a barge well, in the water. So they had like, like excuse me, a cover gr- another one, cover girls. Um, we're gonna be on it, I think. And like the guy who sang Diamond Girl. I mean, it, it was gonna be a thing. Stevie B, isn't it? I don't know. You need to stop chewing the mic, though. I was not chewing there. <laughs> There's no food in my mouth. Okay. Okay. Um, but anyway, because that was canceled. Francesco really likes to be, he's a real control freak, if you all haven't already realized that. I'm just, you know. Looking out for our fan? Yeah. Okay, thanks. I'll When they write in. I just want to be able to tell a story. Oh my gosh. So the house, the original house barge. Was canceled. <laughs> because of all of the undisclosed, undisclosed drama. I don't know. And then I asked for our money back and it just got no response. That's kind of oh. shady, right? The whole situation, I mean, I don't understand. Is it out in international waters where like anything <laughs> no, it, can happen? It, it, it takes off like, like murder, right here. rape. It doesn't matter. You just throw bodies off the side of the barge. Pillaging. Right. Like out in the middle of international waters. No. like piracy. It's literally right here. Oh. Like on Pier 40, whatever this is. Does, does it set sail? It sets sail. I believe it does. It has five dance floors. Oh, yeah, yeah. But regardless, it didn't happen. So the three of us decided to sort of take back the East Village. Ooh, how and did that so, go? Well, it was um, it was eye opening and surprising. Mm. It's just not what it was. The East Village is a neighborhood here in New York City. For people that don't know, okay, that used to be kind of really sketchy and shady. Sketchy sketch. And then kind of got sketchy sexy. Yeah. And now it's just gotten kind of gross. Then got like right? sketchy chic. Oh. And now it's just like. Like it got, got like sketchy bougie. And now it's like, like rowy. Ugh. It happens and to every good neighborhood. It was just really, it was a lot to deal with. It was just like, and everything sort of is, I feel like there's a, there's a patina mm-hmm. that has been sort mm-hmm. of painted over the East Village to make it look like it might have when we were there in oh, the 90s. No. But oh, it's actually no. sort of like artists coming in to do it. Right. If that makes sense. It does so like make sense. That karaoke place we used to go to called Sing Sing is now yeah. like all like graffitied out. But it's like they hired, like people, there's like, they hired someone. Right. Each room was like a different artist. Right. Which is cool, but like, you, you know. know. I think the problem with, with neighborhoods like the East Village is that they don't last forever. And in, and especially in Manhattan, like things change. And what's interesting about the East Village is it, it got a lot of like housing like nicer buildings and sure stuff. did, but it didn't get like a ton of like this sort of Manhattan mall retail. So you'd think that's that, true. That's that maybe point. there was still like a flavor over there, but at least in the times I've been through it, the flavor has not been very cute. Yeah, the flavor is stale. 
Yeah, so what did you do? We went to- uh, So you did sing at Sing Sing. We had a a drink at Yucca Bar, which used to be Leshko's. Yeah, which was great. Which and great. I liked Yucca Bar when it first Yucca Bar, yeah. It had like 18 years like ago. run down. Mm-hmm. And they like clear the tables out for dancing. A bar mitzvah? Oh. Which I think either it could be really great or terrible. No. no um, not really great. And then we had uh, dinner at a really good pizza place. That, and that was actually nice. Why don't you give them a shout out if you liked it? Because it's called like Emmy Heart Pizza, I think. I don't really know what it's okay. called. Emmy so you were loves really pizza. Attention. Well, because it's like only symbols. It's not actual words. I got it. So it's got like an it. E, it's a heart, it's a pizza. Emily likes pizza, loves it a lot. Okay. That's what it's called. It's, right. Oh, you know where it, where it is? It's where Three of Cups used to be. <gasps> three of Cups. Mm. Not Two of Hearts, but Three of Cups. Well, you know, I... Then we sang, and oh, then we went sorry. to Pyramid. To Pyramid yes. Club? Yes. Oh, girl. It's like 1992. Like lots of like ladies in shorts, like heels, blonde hair, and like lots of mascara. What's wrong with that? We have mm, a couple of fans it was that a love lot. that, Luke. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. You know. But then downstairs, yeah. there was like the sort of more kind of like fairy nymph of the woods kind of party, which I was totally into. Like women in like kind of like Renaissance fair. It was like a Ren fair reunion. It was fabulous. And kind of like lots of violins in the background of the music and like staring up into spotlights. I was like, this is fabulous. Like the fact that this is going on right now and for real is great. I mean, I just want to applaud you for like getting off the couch and like going out dancing in the East Village. My desire to do that is just, is waned so so much like I don't know if I could handle it do you want to hear what my best karaoke number was um I think you know how I feel about karaoke but sure go ahead and tell me mine hair from cabaret I'm doing accents I'm giving you German I'm giving you shoulder shakes do you understand what I'm saying? I am. I understand. I'm giving you a stamp of the foot. I've seen the musical, honey. <laughs> I know. I know what you were doing. Um, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> it sure is. You know, I'm going to be honest, and then I guess we could we can move on from the Eastville from Eastville style. But um, karaoke makes me really uncomfortable and really sad, and it's <laughs> it's weird because I I have felt this way for a long time, and less when my friends do it in a room together, in like a having room. fun. In a room is important, but like karaoke in general, like when it's karaoke night at a bar or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. it. It hurts me on the inside in a way that I can't explain. It, it it unlocks a sadness in me that I really try to keep sort of compartmentalized yeah. and it makes me sad. Yeah. And I know it makes it brings such joy to people. And that's why I usually just gracefully decline when I'm invited to karaoke because I do not want to take that joy away from people. Because <laughs> I see the effing joy it brings everyone. Yeah. But for me, I just like cringe the whole time. First of all, no one can sing. It never sounds that good. Everyone thinks they can sing. Yes, I know Anne Marie can sing. Stephen can sing. You have a lovely songbird of a voice. I do. We have a karaoke number. Ours is windy. Windy. By the association. Because and, um, I think you and I, I'm going to just say it. I think you and I brought karaoke to this group of friends for like our 23rd birthday. We sure did. Because we did a karaoke party. Ugh. Actually, maybe at Sing Sing. Oh my God, it might have been. But that that was fun. No, it was on the Bowery, the place we went to. But that was fun. That was a great party. We saw pictures somewhere. Pictures. Kimberly wore a rainbow uh, skirt. I yeah. 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 Karaoke is, I like playing tambourine. 
in the karaoke. Yeah, you like room. a tambourine. I like a tambourine. Yeah, and you know they're hard just, to come by these days though, because you know the drunk fools steal, steal them and, or break them yeah. or slam them on each other's heads. Yeah, I don't know. Like there actually are signs where it says like, there is no mic drop in in at this karaoke bar. Like so it's two hundred dollars. Like, I mean, who are these people? I don't know. I mean, if I had the right amount of sake bombs and I'm like doing my you ought to know number. Yeah, maybe. And like, because right. Ariane and I have literally kicked over a microphone and walked out of a bar at yeah, the end girl. of that number. So it's like, you just want to like, you ought to know. And then like drop a, that Like mic. in your drive from the Grand Canyon to Phoenix or something. No. Um, I'll just, I'll quickly tell the story. Many, I, so I hate karaoke, but many years ago I was in Florida visiting Ariane when she was down in law school and living down there. And we went up to like Palm Beach County to try to go out and we went to some bar and it was karaoke night and we decided to do a group number. We called ourselves 12 Angry Men and we sang You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. And our Did you plan, take six parts each? Our plan was to like, when the song ended, like kick over the mic stand mm. and just walk out the door of the bar. And go on, we did. Go. Yeah. We did. We just kicked it over and just walked out and got in the car and left and left him with that. They never saw <laughs> us again. It was yeah. amazing. They're probably still talking about it. I think so. I think we're famous in like Palm Beach County for that karaoke number of like what, 2009. One of the things I was remarking on though last night um, being in the East Village is when we, so I lived there in your apartment that you had for, how many years did you have that apartment? I mean, so long. I lived there from like 93 to 98. Right. So um, I was there for and like then Kimberly, six months. Right. She carried it carried on. Carried it on. But, but I, so I moved on to Avenue C between 7th and 8th Street in 1993 when it was bad. It was real bad. It was rough. And I loved it. I mean, I had the most amazing apartment. Um, but one of the things I was remarking on is like, it used to be a place to go to when you didn't really have money. And now it is the complete opposite. Right. I, I, more or less. I think. That all the NYU kids started getting apartments and Avenue C became like Zoom Schneider beer right. garden and like all these fancy places. It was like, I couldn't even get, find groceries within five blocks, Right. but I could find heroin everywhere. And now like there was no ATM. Do you remember we'd have to walk all the way down Avenue B to some weird yes, that's bank right. wow. near save the robots, yes. like people's <laughs> bank or something. Yeah, and they, called, like, people's cause bank. they had like, that was the only ATM in the East village, like an alpha alphabet city at the time this was really before like bodegas and everybody had atms yeah. and i mean you couldn't find now it's like you could find sort of like bespoke little like shop selling expensive things it's just weird lots it's of weird. beaded items it's a bead um but but you know it, so so here we are at the table and it really you know makes me think of us um a few things that we share Mm. and have shared Avenue C and one of them besides Avenue C is um, money and things that that, that have well, how we can't we, afford Avenue C anymore how we can't afford Avenue C um, priced out by the East Village and how both of our families went through something together to, at, at the same time yeah but not together not they together. didn't know each other maybe they did oh thank god they didn't um, but we are both children of bankruptcy we are. We and are that's something that... We are survivors, survivors of bankruptcy. That's terrible. But that's something that that's not so I terrible. think um, we spoke about for years in the beginning. We don't really touch on it so much anymore, but it does still play a part in, in some of the conversations we have about just our lives and where we are, who we are, what we'll be. Oh, well. 
And so I thought that I would just sort of bring that up and wow. sort of let's let's unpack that a wow. little. Happy Sunday, you yeah, know? It's a Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Bringing up my family's darkest moment. Thanks. Um, because you were the first person I ever really told. You know, I think it was probably very apparent to people in my life. It happened in uh, the mid '80s, and so we had to move and get a very different house than the one that we had. And my dad loved a nice Cadillac, and those that all ended. A lot of that kind of stuff ended, so it was very just apparent to people just around us, of course, that it was happening. But I never spoke about it because I, you know, what I was going to say, I didn't understand it, but I did. So that that's not true. But you I probably I, I understood was, that your parents wouldn't I was, have wanted you to speak about it. Probably yes, for sure. I mean, and I was I was very embarrassed by it, you know. And I think that you had a pretty similar situation. I did. I did. It, it happened in the mid-80s as well. I mean, the only difference is ours propelled us and pushed us to move to, to Florida right. from, from Western New York, like when it really happened. So the, the people that I grew up around didn't really see the immediate impact that the bankruptcy had on, on our family. Right. Oh, that's, we yeah. kind of just started a new life in Florida, like living in like a shitty townhouse that we were renting while they were trying to get it together to be able to buy a house down there. Right. And, you know, it was right before my bar mitzvah. And I know that, that was probably so hard because we moved to Florida and then I, they start planning a bar mitzvah and like, there was just no money. Right. And <laughs> we were in the townhouse when I had my bar mitzvah and, I think I was embarrassed by it too. I mean, you kind of understand and you don't want people to think of of your of your father, of your family as like a failure right, or that of course. Or, or poor. And I mean, and the thing is, I don't know if we were ever poor like in the sense of the word like poor, like no. poverty. Yeah. But, you know, we had moved to Boca Raton where like the the amount of money was so insane. Mm-hmm. And we moved down there because my father got a job opportunity. My grandparents were down there. So we went, but Boca, it was like kids were so wealthy. And it was, I mean, I definitely was living like where the people that didn't have money lived right. when we first moved right. to Florida. And we we made a slight step up from there pretty soon after. But um, it was tough, you know, yeah. it was tough. I don't know about you. I mean, I think I do. We haven't really talked about this. In my family, even before the bankruptcy, then certainly after, money was just always one of the top two topics that were that was fought about in my family. Huh. So so money was always like a thing. My father didn't handle money well. Mm-hmm. My mother spent money and didn't really work. And she right. wanted someone with more money and money and you didn't pay the bill and you, mm-hmm. you racked up the credit cards. So money was always like an issue. And the bankruptcy almost felt like just an extension of yeah. all of that. It certainly didn't get any better. You it know? was actually, wow, we never did talk about this one part. It, we never talked about money. Money was not even a thing. I mean, there was a lot of it. And we, well, I, my parents spent it quite well, <laughs> I think. Um, but it was not ever a topic, I remember, until the bankruptcy. And then it was truly the only topic for a long time. I mean, look, they did really well in it. My parents have like, you know, keeping the family together. It's not like that's really all that was spoken about, but it was obviously had to be a big part of the conversation. Uh, whether we were at the dinner table or overhearing them, you know, do it, uh, you know, privately, but it was a lot. Um, it was a lot of, a lot of money talking, a lot of sort of planning and figuring out how to, um, you know, make things better as fast as possible. 
Oh gosh, I just was like heavy breathing. I know, I'm and like sorry. doodling and like thoughtful. I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I know, I'm like winded. winded. I'm sorry, everybody. It's all this panting. We go deep. We might, no, you know, what's interesting is that um, <laughs> the bankruptcy also, because it wasn't just the sort of immediate like loss of a certain amount of like stability mm-hmm. and, and, and upper middle class sort of like lifestyle. It also, it, it, in my family, it brought up a lot of uh, tension and a lot of fights between my mother and her brother, who was very wealthy. Sure, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then my grandparents got involved, and my father sort of had an issue with his aunt, who he borrowed money from, and now couldn't pay her back to start the business that ended up going bankrupt. And yeah. It, it, so it wasn't just our small little family it became this thing where like my mom was mad at this one and this one is mad at that one and right. instead of just sort of thinking about like just how devastating this must be to my father like the man of the family who is just trying to support his wife and kids you know and there was just and I don't I kind of know all the stories and I don't really need to it doesn't really matter everything's fine everything worked out great but um yeah, it was it was a tough time, and then it was like I was just hitting puberty, and we moved to Florida. Yeah, the timing was, was terrible. Timing was rough. I mean, not that it's ever good, but no, um, you know, yeah. For for us, it was that my my parents. I mean, a lot of people know this in my life, but um, my family owned women's health clubs mm. in Baltimore, mm. in Hawaii, mm. and Mexico. And my, yeah, I would take those. I would take two of the three locations. I know totally. But my parents took the Baltimore locations, and my dad's brother took the others. But um, yeah, you know, it was Baltimore. at a time when when um, people in Baltimore weren't really working out. No, actually, the complete opposite. But it was at a time when, um, like Jacqueline and Lucille Roberts were starting oh. to come up, and they sort of moved very quickly, and you know, became franchised. And my my dad didn't want to do that because he never wanted to work for someone else. And so one thing sort of led to another, obviously, and there was a minor, it was minor, and I don't really know if it was a huge part of this, but there was a minor incident in one of the clubs um, where there was a trampoline and a woman broke her something or other, and there was like a, a maybe a lawsuit of some kind, and it just all sort of fell apart. Like a giant trampoline? No, or like no, one of those like little, little personal mini guys. ones? Yeah, little, like especially in the 80s. And bouncing, yeah. and bouncing. Yeah. When okay. you're in like your, yeah, you know, know, your stained glass yeah. leotard, you yeah. know? Oh, God. Do I love a stained glass yeah. hard? <laughs> but um, but it all happened very quickly, and then we sold a, our beautiful home and uh, moved to a different one that was very different and much uh, in a very different neighborhood and, and town. And it was it was all um, so fast, and I was in f- I was fifth 11. grade. I was in fifth I was grade, like ten eleven when it started, and it was. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, and I think for my parents, it still is, I mean, they've obviously moved on and they're, every, as, as you said in, a little while ago, everything sort of moved on and everything turned out to be okay. It took a while for us to get there. But it was, um, when you really think about like the metal that people have and, you know, and, and, and how, to, how to lift themselves up from the bootstraps, I think certainly my parents and from what I know of what happened with your parents really did that. And I think it also affects truly the people we are today and how we think about not just money, but how we think about true survival, you know, and we, you and I, I mean, we, we don't have children, but to have children at that time, I mean, my dad was probably about my age. Oh, oh my God. My dad was much younger than me. 
Maybe yeah. your dad's like yeah. was older. He's older, yeah. But like my, I mean, my dad died at forty six. So I mean, if this happened yeah. in you know ten ten years before, he was thirty six years old. You know, like mm-hmm. he was young. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can't imagine what happened. Like you know what he went through. And unfortunately, my father is not alive, so I I've never really had a chance to unpack this with him at all. Yeah, and talk to him about it. Um, you know, I know how it impacted our family. And then I know when my father died, how it continued to impact our family. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, ultimately my father did not, because he died so young, didn't die having amassed enough, you know, after the build back up after the bankruptcy. And, you know, my mom had debt to pay off and I think was worried about her own survival. So in a lot of ways, the the survival that I've learned in the bankruptcy is partly like my father's and the family's, but then my mother's also because she, you know, she went through a bankruptcy and then just 10 years later, she went through, you know, her husband dying. Right. And, you know, had no money, no job, no real skills at that point. Right. At that time, after years and years and years of being out of the, you know, the workplace. So, you know, it, all of these things, money, like the struggle through money has, has taught me a lot about survival. And yeah. I think it's interesting to sort of, you know, think about what, what that has done to how we think about money now as adults. Like, what would you say, what would you say that the bankruptcy has affected the most or that period in your life, yeah. like with you right now? You know, I think. I actually think there's really one answer. And I think it's that it made me afraid to plan money as a young adult and to think about the future and to think about, you know, sort of true savings and things like that. I don't know if I'm doing that. And I, I don't know if most of America, no, that's true, is but, doing that but I all. do, I do think that that's a very related thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really has made, made my twenties and thirties um, sort of like, kind of just white knuckling it, you know, kind of thing, as opposed to really thinking about the future, which of course, you know, I, I have had a corporate job for a long time. So I've had things like a 401k that's just there. So there's, you know, there was sort of that automatic thing, but there wasn't You're making much me more. I'm sweating. I can't, I can't do this. Cause I, you know, I worked for myself forever and I don't 401k. I'm like, what's that? I don't know. And I, I do agree with you though. Partly because of the bankruptcy and also because my father died at almost the age that right, I'm at now. Exactly. I only have another yeah. year or two. I have never really been so into the planning because I'm like, let me just get through all of this. Right. You know, let me live to be 50. And, but right. now it's sort of like, well, it looks like I'm going to make it. So, I mean, <laughs> God, no. I, I mean, I hope, but like, you know, I, I should, I should be a little bit better about that. Yeah. For me, yeah. it's that I, I do not like to be in debt. One dollar. No, I don't I owe anybody a penny. I pay every bill the minute it comes, yeah. in, in in its entirety. If I if I can't pay it at the end of the month, I don't do it. And I just I don't like to owe anyone anything. Yeah, and that, that that's actually so. What's interesting is that, and I mean, and this is. I don't mean that this is a unique story to me because I think this is true of many people. Uh, especially in New York at the time that we were young people in New York, but I had a ton of credit card debt. First of all, some of it was from when we did 2021st and some of it was just left over. And then my parents sort of helped me with that, which was really lucky. Um, and they obviously were in a different place um, at that time. So they could help, but um, 
but then, you know, whatever, I was just stupid and bought stupid shit and did the thing that you do. And once I sort of in my career and, and the money I was making, actually, I really think when I sold Miss Popularity and it sold so well, the first book that, that I did, there was money that came in through royalties where I was like, oh my God, thank God. Like, cause I can pay the shit off and just take away that, that terrible feeling. I had some debt from graduate school too, that, that sort of lingered for a long time. I'm saying all this because once I sort of got to the place of my life of like, uh-uh, if that bill comes in, it is paid. And if I can't pay it, I'm a dope and I have to figure that out. But I, I can't, I hate having debt like that. It just, it just, it weighs on me. Even yeah. if it's, even if it's Keep like talking for a 500, you know, like a $500 credit card. Like it, it, it weighs on me when it comes, I hate seeing it. It really, um, that's definitely related to me as a kid. Yeah, and and the fact that my father just had to accrue so much debt because of the bankruptcy and died with debt and debt, debt, debt. I just don't want to be in debt to anyone. I don't like to owe people money. I will Venmo you like right away. I just, I don't. It's not comfortable, yeah. I don't like it. I'd like to know that everything I have is paid for, it's mine, and that I don't that's owe. That's it, yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely a symptom, symptom of all of that. Yeah. I also, for me, and I think it's different because money was always a topic of, of, stress in my family i think that you know money is sort of always on my mind like i'm mm. always i'm never totally comfortable with how much money i have how much money i'm making how well my business is doing right you know I, i'm and it's get it's gotten better in, in my life as i've gotten more successful and, and my business has taken off but it's like i'm always money's always on my mind i'm always nervous about money um I wish that wasn't the case, you know, I, but I think that even if I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd be nervous about money. Like, <laughs> totally. I think, I think that being nervous yeah. about money is a part of me because I'm a Jew and part of me because of my, of my family history. Yeah. I mean, I went through a bankruptcy. I went through a family that fought a lot about money. I, I saw my mother had to sort of pick up the pieces after my father died and did not really leave her with much. And I think because of all of that, like I'm always just a little worried about money. Um, like I know exactly where all the money is, where it's hidden, how much is in the bank, how much is coming in. Right. Like I'm never just like, oh, it's cool, even when it is. I, it's like I can't completely just relax into whatever my socioeconomic position is. Like I'm never comfortable. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, and, and I hope to change that, or I hope to really to marry up. And I'm right. still, there's still the hope. <laughs> I'm still single, everyone. And I'm still hoping that maybe I'm going to marry into like a very wealthy trust fundy family. That'd be great. Especially if you'd sort of take me along for that ride. Yeah, well, private jets. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you could be my Lisa Vanderpump. Um, but, you know, I, it's interesting because you and I do lead kind of different lives, really. And one of the things that I think led us to wanting to, to really do this podcast is that from, you know, when we first met, after you stopped being mean to me and finally let me into your heart. Um, I, I feel I like... I can't, everybody. <laughs> I am not even going to comment on that right now. Oh, and God. we'll talk about this in another That's episode. That's another episode. that is not okay. Um, you were not cute, okay? Uh, you were uh, shiny. Yeah. You were not very nice and interesting. Oh, and really? I just, yeah, I mean, uh, what do you want? I just, we, I didn't like respond to you the first time I met you. Yeah. It took a second time. And now sec. look at us. Yeah. I think my glasses are fogging up. I think I'm getting a heat, a heat. Yeah, you're like getting a, nervous. We're talking about tough stuff. Yeah, this is tough stuff. But anyway, but because, you know, we, we do, look, we live three blocks away from one another, which allows me to wear my softies to your house. Ugh. But, um, but I, 
you know, mm. I have a, I have a corporate job. I've had one really since I'm in my early twenties and, you know, you did for a minute and then sort of have just worked for yourself. I was sort of a, a, a star of the music <laughs> industry working for a label uh-huh. for like three months. How long was that? No, two like, years. Yeah. yeah. Hun, slow down. No, you were, and you had blonde hair and fur coats. Oh my coats. goodness, I was taking company cars at a cell phone, <laughs> car vouchers. Remember right. when it was like car vouchers? They're still a thing. Well, oh, I felt so yeah. unbelievably fabulous. Empowered. Was, yeah, mm. using a car voucher. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally. And it was like two ninety nine a minute to like use the cell phone, right, but right. I was like, I'm doing it. Right. Um, yeah, I have worked for myself and, and don't, don't under, I mean, I, but what year, what years was, are we not naming the, the record label? EMI oh, records. Okay. I don't know. You, I, yeah, I thought EMI you were being mysterious. Sorry. They, it, it, it went under. 90, I worked there from January of 96, uh-huh. right when I finished school, because yeah. I finished in December of 95. Yeah. I got scouted out by Peter Napoliello. <laughs> he, scouted he came, out. He came to my house on a date with a girl that was looking to move in. And he was like, I really like your MO. Here's my business card. Call my assistant. And I did Dolores, crazy Dolores. Oh, Dolores, I And I got her. this job doing like radio promotion for <laughs> right. adult contemporary for EMI because Peter Napoliello, who is a big wig, like <laughs> was on a date with a girl that did not work out. It was like one one and done date. But she was like, come with me to see this apartment on Avenue C. And Was she Audrey from yeah. Little Shop of Horrors? What know, was that little impersonation? Do you know? She was crazy. And then she's the one that I let move in and that I had to secretly steal the keys back from. Uh-huh. And like, cause she came over and got drunk about painting her. Do you remember this? I remember this a little Okay, This was the girl. <laughs> I did not expect this to go in this direction. On the date with this guy who thought that like my little pitch and the show around the apartment, like he right. really loved my energy. Like, You'd be great for Anne Murray. Right. And yeah. he gave me his card and I'm like, <laughs> and so I got that job before I graduated school. And I, I graduated like a semester before most uh, people in my class uh-huh. and everyone was like going to class. And I was like, yeah, like going to EMI records. We're all rolling up in. In a black town. Totally. Car. <laughs> it was fabulous. I mean, I was making oh like less God. than minimum wage when I think totally. about it. Yeah. But I felt like such a rock yeah. star. No, I no, oh. listen. I mean, mine was a complete opposite. I got a job at Random House and was like schlepping books around. Mm. But you know, it was a good start, but it was it was a very different experience. I was hanging out with Anne Murray backstage <laughs> in Atlantic I was, City. I was hanging out with Anne Rice, which was an interesting part yes. of my of my early days. That was we, actually pretty we fun. We both had very we had important our hands. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know how this relates to money, even though, thank God I'm making more money now than I was when I worked for EMI. Uh-huh, for, <laughs> sure. for sure. I don't, you wouldn't, I don't know where you would be. Well, you know, I was working for EMI when we were doing 2021. Yep. I mean, that was, yeah, those were the days. That's why I have blonde hair. Do you remember what your salary was? Because I remember my salary at, when I started at Random House when I was, I'm whatever, 20, I, I 21 or 22, between 27 and 31. Oh my God. Mine was 22. Oh, I think mine was like 27. Wow. Well, you were in a very different industry than I. I, mean, I was still at the very tail end of the music. It was like no payola where I'm not going to name names, but a couple <laughs> of the executives, I'm pretty sure that they had cocaine delivered you're, to their offices. You're, um, you're going to exp- expose a sting operation. No, I'm not. But like everyone knows that the music industry was always shady. And it was like, what no was payola. that show? What was that show that was on HBO with Bobby Cannavale? 
Like at like the music oh, industry in the seventies, right? Or eighty? Or no, 80s. it was like seventies. Yeah. yeah, I didn't love it, but I. Right. It, but there were those scenes where they were oh, just like yeah. doing tons of cocaine, oh like on gosh. like conference tables totally. and like just like cash everywhere. Yeah, and like you would pay. So being in radio and like in in radio promotion, like you had to get your songs played on the radio. So I mean, in the old days, it was like you would buy DJs like a new right, air conditioner right. for their apartment. <laughs> and like, Is that what you would buy? Oh, that would be part of it. It would be whatever they needed or wanted. A new air conditioner like, well, whatever for like, their walk-up. Okay. But now, but then it was sort of like we would give things away that they could give away to listeners. Yeah. So it wasn't really payola. Right. But right, like the whole like right, no right. payola thing, but like it was happening. Like, you know, you always had to kind of like wine and dine the guys from the radio stations. Again, you're doing this sort of like like the shoulder movements when you're talking. You know what? I've got Were you like the I've like got... for hire gal? <laughs> no. Listen. They're like, send Aaron. I gesticulate when I podcast. Okay. Um, Sue me. You know, when I first started at um uh, at Random House at Knopf a hundred years ago, you know, I was in charge of God bless them, like paying, coding all the bills that came in for all the tours and stuff. Ooh. And when I first started, there were all these um, you know, these bills, like literal paper invoices that were mailed in envelopes to people like to me or whoever, that were like for escorts, but it was more for media escorts. But I was like a kid and I didn't know what any of the job was or the business was. So I was like, are they paying for Escorts, like I couldn't believe it. Oh, darling, <laughs> I know, I know, oh, I know. I well, know. But you know, but I just, I, I, I want to turn, I want to turn a page on this for a moment. Yeah, please. We really got off the topic of. I know, but bankruptcy. I like it because this it's is money. It's, jobs. it's money. It's jobs. But and I think this is this is exactly. I think. I do think that this was one of the earliest conversations we probably ever had that were real friend conversations, like maybe in the basement at Fez. Perhaps over Perhaps. like whatever we drank then, which is probably like a ruby red. No, that wasn't even a thing yet. No. What did we drink? Oh, we drank maybe like vodka soda splash a crayon. Yeah, or just vodka crayon. I don't even yeah. know sodas yet. I don't even know what I drank back then, to be I honest know. with you. But uh, it, was, it I wasn't feel good. Like, I feel I like we were both that. thinking we were in interesting outfits. I think that we... they I think that they would still be classified as interesting, <laughs> similar to the one you're wearing today. Yeah. And I'm happy to, I, you know, we can no, take a picture of this we don't have to. and I'll post I, it. I, right I don't know. I don't right think now. you do I don't think you should. But go on, please. <laughs> go on. But I but I do think that this is one of the most one of the more meaning no, I guess most, one of the most meaningful topics that we ever really have gotten into together because our lives were so different as kids but had such similar strands in the, so many of the, the threads in the fabric of our lives are actually very similar or the same threads. Are you talking about our struggles with our weight as children? Well, also? that's a whole other topic. <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Um, I but, was like poor and fat basically is what he's trying to tell everybody. And greasy. Well, you were. I was, yeah. I have I really just the most was. beautiful matte skin. I was told this morning. I told you this morning. Your skin, skin is, is glowing, matte. but matte. It's it's a nice it's, combo. It's interesting because, you know, I drank like a bottle of wine last night. Oh, and, girl. You know, I, I should be all puffy. Well, you're puffy. Oh, oh Maybe gosh. that's why it looks so good because it's sort of puffed out. Oh, right. It's catching the light differently. <laughs> no, you don't. You're I really got to go work now. I know. All right. Well, I think, I mean, I will just say that... I remember having many meaningful conversations with you over the years, yeah. not in a long time, really, but at the beginning, <laughs> I 
And this is definitely one of the ones because I think it's sort of that shared experience that like you don't know that many people yeah. growing up that go through bankruptcy. No. It's sort of like what that feels like and what no. that means and like how it really feels to be a part of a family that files chapter 11. I mean, it's not a pretty thing. It's a whole, I mean, it's a really, I think chapter 11 is different than bankruptcy actually. Isn't it? You file chapter 11. And then bankruptcy, and then right? Bankruptcy. Yeah. I think that's how it you goes. You start with chapter 11. And then you get to chapter 12. Well, you hope you can get through chapter 11, yeah, you know? I do. I don't even think we had a chapter. Mm. <laughs> we just went you just had a sad ending. Straight to a moving van. Um, um, oh, God. Okay. Well. No, but but I but I, I agree. And I, I think that it's these conversations that uh, have kept us together for all these years. No, I really do mean that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, for as different as we can be sometimes in just the lives that we live or how we, you know, how we live. Um, there's just so many of these similarities and, and I feel very note, special. And on that note, we'll, we'll continue to dive into those similarities over the course of season two. We sure shall. We sure shall. But for now, I think it's time to bid adieu. Uh -huh. The hands are happening, which you're telling me to stop being emotional. I'm, no, I'm gesticulating. You, you have an issue with all my gesticulations today. I feel like there were some new ones today. A little shimmy like that? <laughs> yeah. shake? Yeah, I haven't seen the shimmy well, shake I'm trying to behind stay, the mic at I'm least. trying to stay four to six inches yeah. and so yeah. other things are moving, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Yeah. I'll see queen, you. queen, say goodbye. Bye, queenies. No, no, no. <laughs> Please write in. Give us another, another word. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye.